On Thursday, January 11th, Vivek Ramaswamy was in Davenport, Iowa at the Columbus Hall, the Knights of Columbus Hall in Davenport on 35th Street. And it was a breakfast meeting. And not only was Vivek there, but a special guest, Candace Owens, was there as well. And it's all part of today's episode brought to you by Griner Auto Body of Washington, Iowa, using state-of-the-art techniques and decades of experience to get your car back on the road after an accident. Car Doctor of Washington, Iowa. No matter who Frankensteined it, they can fix and clean and customize it. McDonald Boneyard of Kyoto, Iowa for all of your farm equipment and auto recycling needs. Hinshaw Trailer Sales of Richland, Iowa. You need a trailer? They've got your trailer and they fix what they sell and don't in their full-time repair shop. Girling Repair of Winfield, Iowa. If your mower is dead, call Fred, your Husqvarna, Aaron's, and Gravely dealer. And he also sells Husqvarna snowblowers and he fixes all makes and models of snowblowers as well. B&B Propane and the family of Jet Stops present Southeast Iowa Today. I'm John Bain, author of Christie's Journey. The beat goes on. Let's get right to Vivek's event. Give this man a round of applause for being a compatriot for this country. He's taken God through a lot and is, is standing for truth through all of that. I've been proud to have Steve's endorsement. We're actually going to be joined by our other friend, Candace Owens, who's, uh, who's just catching up with us, too. So she'll be here in just a moment. So we'll take questions from all of you. But let me just kick this off for with, with getting right into why I'm in this and what we need in this country. Get cut right into this. Steve, you're free to stay up here with me. You can take questions together. Okay. Or you're going to the next, you're going to the next oh, yeah. event, still, so that's yeah, good. Candace, come on up here. Here we go. Get okay. up here, Candace. Give Candace Owens, my friend, a round of applause. Can I say anything, everybody, before we get started? I do, actually. So I obviously, for those of you guys that follow me, just had a baby seven weeks ago. Thank you. Three under three, a little bit crazy. But the reason I'm bringing that up is because what, what woman in their right mind would get up and go to a campaign event seven weeks after they had a child? Um, this is that important to me, and I think it is the reason that I am driven to be out here. Uh, when you know, Vivek called me and asked me to come, I was like, I just had a foot surgery, I'm not walking, I'm postpartum, but I need to be there because uh, I'm worried about the future of this country for our children. Um, I had met Vivek before. He, uh, fortunately for me, was featured in my Greatest Lie documentary. He was unpacking Woke Incorporated and really was somebody that stood strong against the tide of Black Lives Matter. Very few people did this, left or right. People were very afraid to jump into that narrative and to question what the progressives were doing to this country, but they did that. I had had him on my show a couple of times. When he announced that he was running for president, um, and he came onto my podcast, I spoke to him. It was honestly just 40 minutes. I think before I spoke to him, I was feeling like a lot of you guys are feeling. Um, following the last election, it is hard not to sense doom, almost about this country, wondering if democracy has been um, an illusion, really, if we've ever had free and fair elections, so just a horrible sense of doom, and a lot of that being relitigated now as it should be relitigated. But after speaking to Vivek for that, that period of time, 40 minutes maybe, everyone in my control room, seven people that are working on my show every single day, and myself, we just said that felt like fresh air. 
that's the first time I felt excited and not feeling the sense of doom about politics. things that Vivek has on his side. First, there's his youth, so he, he's naturally more excited, and he hasn't had uh, been through the D.C. ringer, so he's not cynical. He is able to articulate a vision for this country that is clearer than I have ever seen any person that has run for any office uh, ever in the history of my life. I'm 34 years old, and um, and so I just think he's absolutely brilliant. I think that he speaks truth to power, which a lot of people are afraid to do once they start taking money from donors. I've become cynical seeing it in politics, people saying things that they don't believe because they've taken money from somebody. Uh, Vivek is not taking. He is his own biggest donor. Um, and so he has the freedom to, to say the truth and to represent us in a way that I think most people just end up selling their souls. So I'm very proud to support Vivek. It feels like I am supporting the future of this country. I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm not somebody who goes out and seeks, you know, endorsements and plays that game or seeks mega donors, but... The people who I'm here to stand with today, I'm proud of people like Steve King and Candace Owens. One of the reasons I'm proud to spend time with the people we are is these are people who have stood up to the mob in their own way. We all understand how the media will paint somebody as different than the truth of what they're saying. And now I understand what that looks like this year with what they're doing to me in this candidacy. But those are the kinds of people it's going to take to revive this country. And I'll just open this up before we open it up to all of you to take questions is... What are the two things I stand for as your next president? We say America first. It's great. I'm an America first conservative, but what does that mean? I think it just comes down to two basic things. I'm not asking a lot here. It's not Republican or Democrat or black or white. Forget all of that. Two basic ideas that we fought a revolution to secure in this country. Number one is we the people create a government that is accountable to us, not the other way around. That the people we elect to run the government should run the government. Not too much to ask. And yet that isn't the case today. Today it's the three-letter agencies that actually run the show, the deep state, the permanent state. That is what the swamp is. And if you actually want to drain the swamp this time, actually gut the state, gut the deep state this time, there's gonna be nobody that gets that job done better than I do. We're going to get in there on day one and fire 75% of all federal bureaucrats. That is how you drain the swamp. That's how you get serious about it. We're going to get in there on day one and shut down government agencies that shouldn't exist. FBI, ATF, CDC, U.S. Department of Education. We're not just massaging it around the edges. We're getting in there and shutting it down. That's how you revive this republic. If I can't work for you for more than eight years as your next president, that's, I think it's a good thing, by the way. Neither should any of those federal bureaucrats reporting into me either. Eight-year term limits for the bureaucracy instead of civil service protections. This is how you drain the swamp. Don't use last year's budget as the baseline, which is based on the prior year's budget before that, which is based on the year before's budget, all of which is broken, and that's how you get to $34 trillion national debt. We will start with zero as the baseline and ask what's actually necessary. Zero-based budgeting. That's how I've run my businesses that's how I'm going to run the federal government of the United States of America. We shouldn't apologize for it. This is common sense, not controversial. That's the first basic idea. The people we elect to run the government should be the ones who actually run the government. 
And number two, the moral duty that they owe, including me as your next president, is to the citizens of this nation, not another one. America first doesn't come with an asterisk. Okay, half the Republican Party stands for America last. Cut your Social Security, cut your veterans' benefits, fork over $200 more billion to Ukraine so some kleptocrat can buy a bigger house. No, I'm going to put an end to not only the pointless foreign wars abroad, but as your next commander-in-chief, it is my responsibility and I will do it, to use our own military to protect our own borders in this country, the United States of America. That's what it means to protect our nation. And birthright citizenship for the kids of illegals in this country. It should not apply to them. We're done with it. We're going to stand for the Constitution. And the use of our federal funding, our money, going to pay for sanctuary cities to break the rule of law. Put an end to it. Don't give our money to Central America or Mexico. Each of those countries needs to actually build their own walls all the way from Venezuela to the southern border of Texas. And yes, I'm going to tell you the hard thing that many Republicans like to dance around and skip. Anybody who is in this country illegally will be returned to their country of origin because that's the right thing to do for the United States of America. We shouldn't apologize for it. But you see, these aren't black ideas or white ideas. The people we should elect to run the government should run the government, and they owe a moral duty to the citizens of this country. The fact that that's radical tells you all you need to know. It's not even Democrat ideas or Republican ideas. Not really. These are American ideals that we fought a revolution to secure in this country. And I believe, we believe, those ideals still exist. I'm running for president to revive them. E pluribus unum means something. It's our creed. It means from Many, one. And that's what we've lost in this country. We've been taught to celebrate our diversity and our differences so much that we forgot all of the ways that we're really the same as Americans. Bound by that common set of ideals. And here's how we're going to get it back. It's what we've lost, but we're going to get it back. It's going to be by all of us speaking the truth in the open again. Say in public what you will say in private at the dinner table. Say it with a spine. Say it with conviction. Say it with respect. But part of respect is that you respect your neighbor enough to tell him what you actually think. And you see, that's what this campaign is about. Speaking the truth, not just to the other side, but to our side when necessary. Not just when it's easy, but when it is hard. Frankly, I would rather lose this election and speak the truth than to win by playing some fake game of political snakes and ladders. But my bet is that's the winning strategy. I don't report to the donor class. Every politician's dancing to the tune of their biggest donor. I'm not somebody's circus monkey. I'm not going to be somebody's pawn on a chessboard. My biggest donor is me, and I report to you, the people of this country. And there is a reason why I'm the only candidate who can tell you that I will strip vaccine manufacturers of their special liability exemptions because where there has been injury, there needs to be justice in this country. To tell you, I am opposed to that CO2 pipeline which is based on a climate change agenda that I will say it absolutely is a hoax because it has nothing to do with the climate. To tell you that Ronna McDaniel, the failed chairwoman of the RNC, needs to step down after five failed years of leadership in our own party. How can we bring accountability to government? To tell you that I will pardon 
every peaceful January 6th protester on my first day in office because it's the right thing to do for this country. So if you want somebody who's going to actually get in there and shut down the deep state this time and speak truth to power, then vote for the candidate who's going to speak the truth to you. And that's what I'm asking you for. It's going to be a cold night on <laughs> Monday, I've told Well, it was cold when Washington crossed the Delaware, too. And it's a 1776 moment. And so I'm asking you guys to brave the cold and whatever else you need to. I'm asking you to do this for our country. Come out on January 15th. I'm asking you for your vote. Take the few days between now and then. Bring everybody else here in Scott County out with us. I came out to see the Scott County Republican women years ago, long before I knew I was doing this, when I wrote that first book, Woke It. It is good to be back here. We started the campaign here. We started actually my own journey into public life right here. I want Scott County to help pull us over the finish line here in Iowa. And if you guys do your part, I'm going to do mine to make sure our best days are ahead of us. Thank you, guys. God bless you and your families and our United States of America. Let's open this up. And Candace and I will be glad to, glad to take questions from, from all of you. We've got microphones. So, sir, you want to go first, and then sure. we can take the mic. We, we can go to the gentleman in the back after that. That's it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, nobody else will get time because I have 21 questions. Oh, you pick your number one. <laughs> pick your top one. And then we'll go to the gentleman in the back. Thank you. Uh, like you, I have kids and I worry about their future as well. Yeah. Okay, uh, here is uh, my top question. So, everyone along with you have voiced numerous times that education in this country is the costliest burden on anyone. So, I feel that uh, that is the reason we have less number of highly qualified people particularly the cost of becoming a doctor is much, much more uh, than any other fields. What can be done to make it easier to get more skilled workers faster in this country? Hmm. Interesting. I think the first thing I would say is a great question. I'll give you, I'm gonna, we're going to go quick to get to as many questions as possible because I can go all day on this one. I will shut down the Department of Education. Let's start with that. That's an $80 billion budget. Kill the head of the state. And use the money more effectively Foremost, to put it to the states and to the people so every parent is actually able to choose where they send their kids to school, which we don't have today. Get that done. That's a civil rights issue of our time. That not only brings down the cost by draining the bureaucracy, it improves the quality of what every family is able to get for their kids. And just as it relates to the K through 12 piece of this, I'd also say get rid of the teachers unions while you're at it, the public teachers unions, so they can actually compete with private and charter schools. And if you're going to teach it in the classroom, put it on the internet. And if you don't want to put it on the internet, don't teach it in the classroom. As K through 12, shut down the Department of Education, give the money back to the states and the people. But as it relates to higher education, which is a big part of where we've tilted the scales away from people gaining useful skills, what we've done is the Department of Education also tips the scales to four-year college degrees. Gender studies major in California or whatever, take on some debt while you're at it, some subsidies from the federal government, without doing a thing for people who actually want to go through one or two-year vocational programs to become a welder or a carpenter or a mechanic or a plumber or a builder, all of which or an electrician, all of which we have shortages of in this country, which create a labor supply shortage, which in turn leads to not only a shrinking economy, but a loss of self-confidence among the people who are unable to apply the skills they gain in their college education saddled with college debt that actually isn't giving them a head start in the American dream at all. And so that's, I think, the link between education. The only other thing I would say with respect to the skilled worker shortages, stop using our taxpayer money to pay people more money to stay at home instead of to go to work. 
It's not good for anybody. It's not good for the economy. It's not even good for them. Sitting in your parents' basement playing video games, smoking pot, that's not actually good for depression or anxiety either. And so these things go together between education and economy and the mental health epidemic in our country. We as a government are paying for it. You have $34 trillion in national debt. I will stop using our taxpayer money to pay people to do the exact opposite of what's best for them. Pay single mothers more money not to have a man in the house than to have a man in the house. Pay people more not to go to work than to go to work. Pay people more not to repay their student loans than to repay their student loans. Go to Kensington, the inner city of Philadelphia. The aid programs that we're funding, I've seen it with my own eyes, giving away crack pipes and needles in the name of helping people. That's not compassion, that's cruelty. And that's how you fight our national debt, and that's how you also revive this economy. That's how I'm going to lead. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Go to the back there. Hey, thanks. I'm uh, appreciating Captain for you now. Let's Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. You're going to bring this home for us. So um, I uh, had it. This was uh, from last time. I didn't get to ask you. Um, uh, the stance on the two-way, how would you implement things to protect both citizens and, and businesses, FFLs alike, from government overreach, registration and confiscation, along with how would you limit the government and the state's ability to wealth class the population out of gun ownership as well as our ability to follow the laws due to vague laws and arbitrary rulemaking? Sure. I'll answer this, Candace, if you want to jump in here. This might, I don't know. Anytime, just jump on in here because I think that we both have views on this. The Second Amendment's the one amendment that protects all of the other ones, period. We don't have this to protect. It's not, it's not for sports, shooting, and hunting. It's because we care about the First Amendment and every other amendment in that Constitution. China and Iran claim to offer the same freedoms we do, except they don't have a Second Amendment. Black Americans did not enjoy their civil rights in this country until they also enjoyed Second Amendment rights after we fought a civil war for it. The first anti-gun laws that were passed were actually passed to keep them out of the hands of black Americans. And even the Dred Scott case, which said the black people couldn't be citizens before the Civil War, was based on the fact that the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court said that, although that would allow black Americans to own guns. So that says the Second Amendment is inextricably linked to all of our other constitutional rights. And you know what? A nation of sheep, which is what I worry we're becoming, that's what breeds the government of wolves. The Second Amendment's all about keeping that government at bay. That is what this is about. And so we cannot stand for any, for any infringement or encroachment on the ultimate protection. Now, I get the pushback again on this is, and it, it's sad what happened in Perry just about a week or so ago. I was in Perry that morning as we saw the ambulances, the helicopters come in, and we held a prayer session for the community. If we really want to get serious about protecting our children in schools, Candace is a parent. I'm a parent. I don't think any parent should have to think twice about sending their kids to schools for fear of a school shooting. Let's actually get serious about it. Three armed security guards in every school across this country for a tiny fraction of the Department of Education budget. And then deal with the mental health epidemic. Bring back the psychiatric hospitals that we closed because of pharma industry lobbying is why we closed them. Bring them back to deal with the mental health epidemic. And that's how it's going to be. Do you want to add anything to it? You want to add anything to that, Candace? No, that's great. <laughs> Thanks, uh, you for that? Yeah, I'm very much a favor, but I mean, I'm, I'm very passionate about the mental health stuff, and I think that every time school shooting happens, I was actually in the parking lot uh, with the recent Nashville shooting that took place at um, an elementary school, and it, 
I've lived a couple of blocks away from it. It was absolutely traumatizing. And what I've said for every school shooting is that we, are, we aren't having a real conversation. We keep talking about guns. No one's talking about big pharma, mental health. No one tells you what's in their medicine cabinet. Um, and so until we can get to the center of what's really happening in this country, you know, they, they constantly want to talk about guns. But really what's happening is we have a bunch of directionless children that are coming up. They're growing up on social media. They have no meaning and no purpose, and they think that they can make a name for themselves in the most drastic and disgusting means possible. Um, and we are never looking at Big Pharma after, even if we learn that you know they, are, they were on certain psychotic drugs. So there's a much wider conversation that needs to have that needs to be had. In the meantime, obviously, what you are saying in terms of making sure that we are using the Second Amendment to protect children that are vulnerable is an absolute must. So, in a long-winded way, I agree. Well said. I'm undecided at the moment, um, but I would like to ask you, um, I'm gonna try to shoot in two quickies. Uh, what do you think are the two most important functions of government that the president uh, could affect? And also, uh, what are any legal barriers to firing 75% of the deep state? Sure, so that's, the second question is an excellent one because this is how they duped Donald Trump. They duped him. They said you can't fire those employees because of civil service protections. We're saying, that, I don't know, if you work at the SEC, I can't fire you because we disagree on the Second Amendment. Those civil service protections only apply to individual firings. That's the purpose of them. They do not apply to mass firings. Mass firings are absolutely what I am bringing to the D.C. bureaucracy. So it takes a president who understands the law to use it in our favor. Okay, they told him you can't shut down government agencies because that requires Congress. Read the law. Under existing law, the U.S. president, if it promotes efficiency of operations in government, or if it eliminates redundant agencies, can shut down those agencies. Take the FBI. I'm the only candidate in this race. I'm not telling you I'm gonna build another big building for the FBI. I'm not gonna tell you just fire Christopher Ray. No, I'm gonna shut it down, and here's why. Take those 20,000, there's 35,000 employees at the FBI. 20,000 of them are back office bureaucrats at the J. Edgar Hoover building. That's still what they call it, for God's sake. They're gonna go home and find honest work in the private sector, period. 15,000 of them are cops, investigative agents on the front lines. We will move them to the U.S. Marshals, which has actually been far more effective in fighting child sex trafficking rings and even the fentanyl epidemic. We'll move them to the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network at the U.S. Treasury to go after the future FTXs and SBFs and financial fraudsters of the world with greater actual ability to do so, specialization to actually prosecute the crimes that we're failing to prosecute in this country, but make it up new crimes to prosecute from everybody from Donald Trump, the concerned parents who show up at school board meetings, calling them domestic terrorists. That's at once how you end the corruption. Do it in a way that improves effectiveness, and most importantly, do it within the bounds of the law. Because, as I told you, if it's a redundant agency, as I told you with the U.S. Marshals and the other agencies, I can tell you the FBI is redundant. That's the legal basis for doing it. And I'll tell you, the current Supreme Court agrees with me six to three on everything I'm telling you. And so will I get sued for it? Yes, we will. That's a good thing. Because if we take it to the Supreme Court, we win. We codify that in judicial precedent. Then the next president who comes after me won't have his hands tied in the same way. And I think that, thank you, I appreciate that. That's how we're going to do this. And I just want to say a word about the choice that you have to make. If you don't mind me asking, well, I'm, I'm 
always a big fan of candor. Who, who are you considering at this moment? DeSantis, okay, got it. Did, I was just wondering about Donald Trump, but DeSantis, it depends on whether you want to, depends on what your belief system is about shaping the administrative state. DeSantis's position on this is fire Christopher Ray. I believe that's an optical illusion designed to appease you. And in Ron's sense, I think he kind of believes that that would do the job too. It doesn't work when you have an eight-headed hydra and you just cut off one of the heads. It grows right back. You have to gut the beast at its core. So I don't believe Christopher is going to do a darn thing. You get James Comey 2.0 right after that, and the charade goes on. The beat goes on. We have to actually do something that we've been unwilling to do, and every professional politician, when they get there, is unable to do, is to actually get in there and shut it down. I've been a chief executive of companies. I'm an entrepreneur. I've built multi-billion dollar businesses from scratch. I understand that if somebody works for you and you cannot fire them, that means they don't work for you. It means you work for them because you're responsible for what they do without any authority to actually change it. And when it comes to the president at the top, I see a role for Ron DeSantis in our future of our country. I do. But when it comes to the person at the top, it has to be somebody with an independent vision for what's right not just going with the best of what the establishment wisdom has to offer. We live in a 1776 moment. Okay, and I think it's going to take somebody with fresh legs from the outside to actually revive those 1776 ideals. If an existing politician were going to get that job done, we wouldn't be where we are today. And so if there's one president who's going to actually get in there, not just reform the deep state, because reform is not a possibility. That's an oxymoron actually shut it down. There's nobody in this country and certainly nobody in this race that will get that job done in the way that I will. And if you think that's going too far or too extreme, I'm not your candidate. But if you believe with me that there's three branches of government in the United States and not four, that the people who we elect to run the government should be the ones who actually run the government, that we the people create a government that is accountable to us, not the other way around, and we have to eliminate the bureaucrats who have come in between our self-governance promise of the American Revolution, then nobody's going to get that down to the way that I will, and that's why I'm going to ask for your vote. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> go right there. And then I'll... Well, actually, start right there since you're right over there, and then we'll come up to you. Okay. Um, a year ago, my mom was killed by the poison shot. She got fully boosted, and it got turbo cancer, died in 100 days. Would you take? Would you do the opposite of Joe Biden and make it? off the market. I mean, it's, we all knew there was that there was hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and other things. This was about money, control, and depopulation, in my belief. Would you get rid of the shot? Because people are still gullible enough, like my mom was, to take it. So here's what I would do. First of all, I mean, we need people in this country. We become a nation of sheep. That's what we become. And a nation of sheep eventually gets what, it, what we eventually deserve. We have to think independently. I, mean, I want to congratulate Candace for being one of the first people before it was cool to actually point out that we need an actual open debate about the merits of the vaccine. And we can blame Joe Biden or whoever else, but let's be honest. This is a bipartisan affair. Even dating back to, you know, who the president was, I love Ronald Reagan, by the way, and I love Donald Trump. There's great presidents, but they made mistakes. Reagan made the mistake of wrapping vaccine manufacturers with a special form of liability exemption such that your family and countless families like yours, normally when you're injured by a product, you can sue the manufacturer, but somehow if they're a vaccine manufacturer, you can't. 
And so my view is everybody who's been injured deserves the ability to sue for their injuries, strip those special liability exemptions. And from Donald Trump to Ronald Reagan, any other Republican, I'm the only one standing for repealing those liability exemptions. The same thing I'll tell you with respect to actually people who were kicked out of our own US military. Young men and women who wanted to serve this country, put their lives on the line, were told they couldn't do that unless they actually took the COVID shot. That was wrong, and I'm again the only candidate who has pledged as commander-in-chief to say every one of those individuals will be restored to their positions with one and a half times back pay. Because that's what it means to restore justice. So I can't change the past, but we can do what's right, and we can change this for the future. And what I'll say is I'm a medical choice absolutist. I believe that even if the FDA hasn't approved something, you should have the right to take it. Hydroxychloroquine, on down to a lot of approvals for people with life-threatening diseases. They can't access those medicines because the failed drug administration lobbied for by Big Pharma is standing in the way. But just because the FDA has approved something should never mean that you're required to take it either. That's what true autonomy means in the United States. And that's what I stand for. Thank you, sir. And Candace, this is such a great down your alley. Yeah, and I'm probably the most passionate about this topic. I'm Obviously, if you've read anything about me, they call me an anti-vaxxer because I was the first person um, who said, hold it here, and that's because... Personally, I was injured by the Gardasil vaccine, which is a totally different vaccine, but rolled out in a similar fashion, a fear campaign followed by everybody get it. And um, if you don't have bodily autonomy, you don't, you don't have freedom at all. If you don't have the ability to say, I don't know if I'm ready or I don't know if I want this, you don't have freedom at all. And what happened during COVID, first I wanna to say to you, I'm, I'm really sorry that you lost your mother. Um, it's egregious. I, I view that as a government murder, um, th that they're allowed to, to do that and there's no there's no recourse. It's just, oh, well, we got it wrong. They knew what they were doing. I think Big Pharma is one of the greatest evils that we face in this country. It is, in fact, a medical cartel. Um, and it, it, our government working in lockstep, uh, creating these bureaucracies, the CDC, the FDA, they're beholden to absolutely nobody. And when they get it wrong, they don't have to apologize. Um, and so it, this is, one of, to me, one of the most critical issues that we're seeing. Last night, we met a young man who was perfectly happy, uh, healthy, pardoned, serving in the military, and uh, got the COVID shot and developed um, Wien-Barr syndrome, and, and now he uses a cane, and he said that he lost his child and wanted to know what Vivek was going to do about it. And so just, it, it's going to get much deeper than that. It's also saying that your kids can't go to school unless they get a bunch of shots. I think they just added COVID-19. Uh, to the list for children, if, if I'm correct about that. Um, they're also, so it's, it's, it's a great evil, and it's going to take a lot of bravery for someone to stand up to it, because unfortunately right now, we have more big pharma lobbyists in DC than we have congressmen. It is egregious, it is outrageous, and it, like I said, is one of the greatest evils. Forget the Mexican cartels you read about, the greatest drug cartel exists in America right now in plain sight. It requires people to make independent decisions, and I'll just say on a first personal, that's why we've made the decision not to. Despite what the guidelines or anything say, we made the decision not to vaccinate our kids with the COVID-19 vaccine because it makes no sense, and it requires all of us to start thinking independently again. So we'll come to you. Uh, Ms. Owens, thank you for coming. Um, my, I actually uh, told my wife yesterday, we were standing in our home office, and I said, hey, Candace Owens is coming. She was immediately in. She just said, yes, we're going. We got to get tickets. I, mean, I even made her get the tickets online just to prove she wanted to come. Yeah. Um, so thank you very much for coming to Iowa. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. So 
Uh, Mr. Ramaswamy, um, I'm a veteran. I served in the United States Army for nine years, deployed to Iraq once. Um, thank you. Part of the reason your campaign appealed to me is because you seem to have a reckless abandon for the idea of just saying what needs to be said. Uh, America needs that very much. Um, and you're doing a great job. My, my question for you is, if your term was limited because you needed to do things to only one term, would you just fall on that grenade, so to speak? Would you just go hard for America just for that one term in order to serve our country? The answer to that question is yes, and I've thought deeply about this, right? In the same way that I don't covet this position now, and I'm, you can look at the life that this country has blessed us with, the fact that Apoorva and I are raising a three-and-a-half-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old, the fact that she's a surgeon, a throat surgeon, saving cancer survivors, keeping her full-time job, making a difference for this country, building businesses. I can tell you, we're not doing this out of coveting this position. When I'm in there, I shouldn't be coveting a second term because that modifies what people end up doing in their first term. So I think it's important that we have a two-term president. I expect to be one, but I'm not going to keep that in mind when I'm making the decisions that I'm making in that not only first term, let's talk about the first few months. This is when you're actually going to get the most done. And the thing I'm going to be able to do for you is most of the change I'm promising is that I will go through Congress to do this, that, or the other thing. The things I'm promising you are the promises I can, I can and will keep as your next president in my capacity as president, the leader of the executive branch. Shutting down those federal bureaucracies, ATF, FBI, CDC, Nuclear Regulatory Commission, U.S. Department of Education. We get that started on day one. Firing 75% of federal bureaucrats, get that started on day one. Moving our troops as commander-in-chief to our own southern border and our own northern border, too. That starts on day one. Ending birthright citizenship. And they're going to come for me for this one. This is the third rail you're not supposed to touch. Ending birthright citizenship for the kids of illegal migrants. I get to do that as your president, and here's why. The 14th Amendment, the opening words of it, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens. They're not subject to the jurisdiction, so they're not citizens. These are things I'm doing as your next president where a traditional politician, I think, would be looking at, well, how's that going to affect my general election numbers the next time around? Not me. I still told you the same way for this election. I would rather lose an election and speak the truth than to win by playing some fake game of partisan politics. But I actually think that's going to be the winning strategy. When you're looking at people, you don't look at the poll numbers and recite it back to them. Ronald Reagan actually was a good president in this way. When people would give him poll numbers, he didn't like, or they didn't reflect that they didn't like his ideas. He said, I haven't done a good enough job of persuading them. That's my reaction. Early, we were talking about this last night. Earlier in this campaign, I rolled out a proposal that was wildly controversial when I rolled it out. But people have come around to it over the course of this year. I believe that every high school senior should have to pass the same civics test that every immigrant has to pass in order to become a voting citizen of this country at the age of 18. And I'm glad you all are, uh, are applauding for that. We, my, my campaign team hated this idea. And they, and they said, can we just poll it? I said, you can. Let's take a look. We looked. We saw the numbers came back. They were, they were not good numbers. <laughs> just when you put it on paper to somebody by a telephone survey, it doesn't sound good the way that that's framed. But you have to explain to people the why. We've lost our national pride in this country. You're a veteran. We have 25% recruitment deficit in our own U.S. military, in part because young people don't want to serve a country they're taught to hate, or even worse, don't know the first thing about 
So I think it's going to take a president who acts firmly rooted in our own conviction. And maybe we'll, we'll and conclude on this to still leave some time for pictures and everything before we leave. I care deeply about reuniting this country. I do. But the way we're going to do it is not by showing up in the proverbial middle and compromising. Hold hands at the 50-yard line, sing kumbaya, and call it a day, national unity. No. The way we will reunite this country is by standing, dare I say it, for the radicalism the extremism of the American ideals themselves. Because that idea that you get to speak your mind freely as long as I get to in return, that is a radical idea. The idea that we the people create a government accountable to us where every one of us gets a vote and voice in that republic as citizens. That's a radical idea because for most of human history, all the way back to old world Europe, it was done the other way. But that's what makes America great. That is what makes America itself, and that's how we're going to reunite this country. Our diversity is not our strength. Our strength is what unites us across that diversity without compromising on those principles. And so am I going to be thinking on day one, am I going to be thinking about how are we going to make sure I'm an eight-year president? No. Just as in this campaign, you probably can tell I'm not thinking about what's going to make me more likely to tell the polls to have you vote for me. No. I'm going to tell you. Who I am and what I stand for in this campaign as your next president, I'm going to keep the promises that I made to you here with conviction because I know they're the right thing for this country. And I believe in the people of this country that even if they don't see that in the short run, it is my job as your leader to lead our people to understand that over the long run. And so I expect I will be a two-term president, not because we're trying to, but because the people of this country call on us to do it because we did the right thing. And I think it's an excellent question. And it gives you a sense of how we're going to lead. Thank you. My friend Rowdy, I can't leave you hanging. Good man here. American First Patriot, I can't leave you, leave you hanging. I appreciate, so many more events. I appreciate that. And I'm first of all going to address to you two, and then by expansion to the United States. When I was a child, um, I was watching a, a, a cartoon series around the world in 80 days. And I remember this phrase, the key to fear is knowledge. And we suffer in this country because of a lack of knowledge. Candace came to an understanding of things and she changed her whole perspective. We, people took the COVID vaccine because they were not informed that, in fact, Senator Grassley admitted that uh, when I talked to him about this uh, a year and a half ago, that uh, when we had hydroxychloroquine and zinc, he thought that was the answer. And it was the answer. And people would not die from it. They would get over it and they'd have immunity. So where I want to go with this is with regards to the pipeline, and thank you for going to the Capitol and speaking on this. Um, people don't realize how critical carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is to farming and all life. That's Without right. carbon dioxide, we're dead. And I'm going to give you this, this that I put together. Thank you, Rowdy. I yeah. appreciate it. Go, want, ahead, go ahead and address that. Thank you. I appreciate it. I want to give everybody thank this man. He's a patriot who cares about this country. He's comfortable. 20 of our events, maybe 10 of our events this year. I'm grateful for it. Carbon dioxide is plant food. The earth is covered by more green surface area today than it was a century ago because of the emission of carbon dioxide, and that's a good thing. But the fact that I'm the only candidate who's able to sit here and tell you that the CO2 pipeline is wrong in its use of eminent domain says a lot about how broken our American politics actually is and how corrupt it is. And I, you talked about truth, Rowdy. I'm going to close on this. Is you all have a choice to make. 
on January 15th. Here's another hard truth I want to make sure we understand. For those of you like Rowdy, like me, who have been supporters of Donald Trump in the past, and I support the man and what he stands for today, if you think they're gonna let this man get anywhere near the White House, I want you to open your eyes. <clears throat> this system has made clear they will stop at nothing, and I mean nothing, to keep this man away. The plot is hiding in plain sight. They want to narrow this to a two-horse race between Trump and a puppet who they can control, eliminate Trump one way or another, and trot in their puppet. We cannot fall into that trap. They are selling us the rope today that they will use to hang us tomorrow. Last time it was a man-made pandemic and a rigged election by tech and worse. This time they will stop at nothing. And so I'm asking you to do the right thing on January 15th. Our America First movement did not begin in 2016. It began in 1776. And we owe it to our founding fathers and to our country to make sure we have another 250 years and then some still left. And so we got to skate to where the puck is going. Don't get to a year from now, look back and say, were we shocked by what happened? Or are we going to say, what were we thinking when we were led into their trap? And so even if it's a little different than what some of you were thinking of three months ago or six months ago, I'm asking you to do the right thing for this country. That's why I'm asking for your vote on January 15th. If you want to save Trump, you want to save this country and what our movement represents, a vote for me is the way to do it. And if you all do your part, I'm asking you to show up in the cold on Monday night. I'm asking you to bring 10 people, tech to 10 people who couldn't be in this room today in Scott County. Bring them with us too. Open their eyes to what I worry we're otherwise missing. If you all do your part, Apoorva and I and our family, our entire movement, we will do ours to make sure we don't have to be this nation in decline, that we still can be a nation in our ascent, to make sure that our best days as a country, not in some fake politician way, but in a true way, can still be ahead of us, that we will look our kids in the eye and tell them and mean it, that you still get ahead in this country with your own hard work, your own commitment, your own dedication, and that you know what? You are free to speak your mind at every step of the way. That is the American dream. That is what we are running to. And with your help, that is what we are going to revive to save this great country. Thank you, guys. God bless you and your families. And God bless our United States of America. Thank you all. God bless you. Did Candace Owens' endorsement of Vivek Ramaswamy convince you that he is the one you should vote for in the Iowa caucus on Monday, January 15th? There's not much time left to make up your mind, so be thinking about it and get her done, as they say. This episode is brought to you by Griner Auto Body, Car Doctor, McDonald Boneyard, Hinshaw Trailer Sales, Girling Repair, B&B Propane, and the family of Jet Stops. I'm your host, John Bain. Stay friendly, Southeast Iowa.